you know, the really big jumping off point for me yesterday was the idea of like the visible and hidden. Uh huh. So like, I couldn't see it until that you made that. Um, you you made that move yesterday. How to coordinate so many of the algorithms that are like functioning need to function with one another in order for the game. Until to I describe them as cards that have sides and faces and they're flipping over or No, I had seen I had like understood that dynamic before, but I didn't know how to coordinate it. Um, so without this notion of visible and hidden. It can't happen without visible and hidden. Are you referring to like hidden mechanics versus how I experience it aesthetically as a player? Or... No, I, d I didn't even think about that distinction. I didn't know that was possible. I'm, uh, um, I was just thinking about like what each player sees can be different than what's visible on the board. And the choice that the player has in any given moment. Oh, the moment where there's hidden information and there's, I called it, it's called like a simultaneous reveal. So I choose a card and you choose a card, or I choose a move and you choose a move. Yeah. But we don't know what those moves are, and we simultaneously reveal them and then resolve the interaction between them. Yes, this is, this was key yesterday for me. Because you were thinking more in a linear, if I do this, then you respond and do this, and then I respond and, and do that. But that was not going to allow the game, that, that, that's not a complicated enough movement. Because it's not simulating real, the real world complexities? or Not because just that, just, just because you have, you know, you have the four turns, and then you have the relationship between negative capital and capital capital and political um, political influence, social clout, and mm -hmm. help and pitch. I can't see that. Why don't you tell me about the game? I think I think you understand the game better than I do. <laughs> Probably. But I yeah, I was imagining players sitting down to a particular board state in that the self, the organization, the change model, and the 
were in particular, and the and the organizational state were in particular states. Okay. Um. Or. So you're going to set up the board like this. Yeah, the board the board has a particular set of state. Yeah, so you can play it from easy to hard state. Yes. So or, or state isn't the right word. Easy to hard setup. Scenario. Yeah, okay. Adventure, whatever. I don't um, Yes, how, how, if this, if the game were in front of us, how would I in, in describe it and like get someone to play it? Um, well, this is a question for the designer. Are the players meant to be representatives within the same organization, within the same team, or are they representing different organizations, different individuals in, in a particular industry? Or how, how are you conceiving of it? I don't think I had gotten that far. What you, how you drew my attention to that yesterday was the choice that needs to be made from a design perspective between um, playing as an organization or playing as a different, like, like you, in your game, you had like the market was a player. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't think about players as embodiments of the different principles, like as their own unique composition of the principles and having independent mechanisms within their own ability to play. Mm -hmm. Like you could kind of, you could, you could compose of, you know, the, you could compose of the individual as one player, the organization as another player, the, the the market dynamic is another player. The isomorphisms is another player. The um, so still change you don't have you don't have a fixed notion of like how that shows up in the game. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to make that decision either. Well, we need to play to find out. But that's pretty good. Didn't know that. <laughs> so that's great. Um. We don't have to go too far into this, but like, our like your intent as the game designer, the experience that you'd like to create for the player is one of blank. <clears throat> one definition or attribute of a game as how I define it, is making meaningful choices or decisions. What meaningful choices or decisions are you envisioning players making? And that can help us understand better kind of what they're abstractly representing. Yeah, I mean, I want, I want players to make decisions that lead them to have, that lead them struck with awe and wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of how I was envisioning or experiencing the game in my mind is it's like a fidget toy where I do something on this and like another bit like pops out or makes a noise 
and then I spin this thing and like something else happens. Like bop it? Sort of like bop it. Do you know, <laughs> have you seen those fidget toys? Like they raised millions of dollars on Kickstarter. No. I mean, I've seen the fidget spinners. Yeah, the like, spinners. But there's these fidget toys where they're like little tiny interactive cubes and like, yeah, you press. I have seen them. Yeah. yeah. Obviously more complex than that, but like, there's not an aim or a goal in that, but there's, it, there's interesting interactions and it, and there's, you know, uh, I don't know, like you said, like wonder or awe. Like, you want somebody to be like, I didn't know that I could do that and this would happen. Something like that. Or, oh my God, I did this and then this other thing happened. Or well, I want them to realize, like, two or three... Or, I want them to under... I want them to be like, fuck, because I made that decision three turns ago, now I am where I am. I'm stuck here because of that decision. Yeah, even though I, at, at that time that was a good decision... Like, I can see the alternative now. Well, Either because the game showed me, or another player showed me a different way. Mm-hmm. Or I had no idea how that would influence this other player, and I would never make the choice that they made in that circumstance. Holy mm-hmm. shit. And because they did make that, now I'm in the position that I am. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Like, this is, like, happening all the time. And that happens in games all the time. Like, there's a game that I played uh, with my sister-in-law. There's like a little marketplace with different resource costs and tiles underneath that where you pay the cost and you can get that tile. And you're going, you're going around in turns, and so you're planning out, okay, well, I want that. I have these resources. and So you can either take resources or buy a tile. So it's like, I'm hoarding these resources because I need to buy these tiles. Oh fuck! They bought the tile that I need. It's that no longer available for. to me yeah. that I've been saving for. Now all my resources are useless because there's only blue tiles left, and I need red tiles. And now I have to rethink my whole strategy, or not? Maybe you just stay the course, and eventually it gets refilled with the ones that you need, or whatever. But you want more of those interactions on kind of like a grander scale, or you want to like amp that up as much as possible in the in the game. I think so, yeah. Like, it definitely, the economy is really important in my game. And is that something that's known from the outside or discovered through play? I mean, I think it's more interesting if it's discovered through play. Well, here's, um, now I'm just thinking about, like, because you said this happens all the time. I'm like, yeah, how has that happened all the time for me? Well, the game that I love is Euphoria. Have you played that one? No, I need, I need to play it. Yeah, if you have it, I have it. You can use it, or you can play it online. Anyway, it's great because you're, you're um, like, these are minimal, they're minimal, but they're important. The, the economy, one of the economies in the game is um, your knowledge Versus your like, um, your like, it's like heart. It's like knowledge and heart. Like, if you have like morale. Morale. Yeah, it's morale. Yeah. So that's a, that's how did you know that? It's just a wild guess. Yeah. 
that's often a meter in certain knowledge games. and morale. Or, yeah, there's this yeah. like zombie game where if you have a certain morale of you and your your people in your little colony, and if it yeah. goes to zero, you lose the game. Right, right. So this is this is if they have too much knowledge or too much ro- too too much knowledge, they revolt, and too little morale, they revolt. Yeah, they revolt in either way. Whichever yeah, yeah. Way the right, goes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, or no, no, it's, if you have a lot of morale, that can be really good, and if you have a lot of knowledge, that's really bad. That's the way it goes in, in Because it's like dystopian, and you want people to be stupid and speak and they speak, or whatever. Yeah, you don't, you, you want, you don't want them to get too smart, um, but you want them to love you. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you can. But it doesn't, the loving, the loving isn't as major, the, 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 what you gain from having high morale is less important than what you lose if your workers are too smart. Right, and that's a design choice. Yeah. That that Jamie Stonemeyer yeah. made. Yeah. Yep. But I, I so I guess the parallel that for me is negative capital and capital capital. So which is more valuable? Negative capital. Which may be counterintuitive to someone just right. sitting down to play the game. Yeah. But the game would reveal through that's those right. that's right. mechanics that mm-hmm. this is actually more valuable because if I bank or accrue this, I can spin it in a later time for 2x or 3x yes, or whatever exactly. the multiplier yes. is. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I it's think a, you know, short-term versus That's part of the like, ticking down of the game, right? Like, but you want it to be surprising in ways. Like... If you don't have enough capital, capital, then you you know become destitute or something like that in the game. So like, yeah, maybe you know as the rounds go on, there's an exponential curve that you're like realizing. Right. You could stay on the linear curve and not lose, but it's not going to allow you to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could just keep like you gain one capital, capital. You spend one capital, capital, and you and you continue up that curve. Whereas you know, you can spend you one take a and risk and wait, and, yeah. but then you jump up, right. and so it's you know, it's either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of jumping graduated, yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it feels like we just made some good decisions. Yeah, I think the other thing is like, what's what's what is a part of the given game state and like can't be changed or influenced by players and what is? So like is um, well like a visible and hidden that can't be changed by players. You mean what information is kept hidden and what information yes. is visible? Yes. Yeah. Unless you want to like break the game or give someone like, sure. an, an ability over. It. And this is where it, like it's really complicated because like one of the player. Yeah, archetypes could have an ability only right. they have, which is you get to look at another player's hidden yeah. card. and that might be with social clout and political influence. Right, you can spend this resource and you can do this thing that no one else can do. Right. See, I don't even know these are possible choices. Like, another one of Jamie's games is called Tapestry, which I've only played against the, the, the game yeah. with the automata. It's a civilization building game where, you know, there's four different tracks. There's like technology, military, exploration, and 
one more. But Farming. Agriculture. Yeah, yeah, you're like taking over a map, you're building up your civilization, and like eventually you want to get to space, and like, you know. But every player gets a choice of their civilization. There's like 16 in the box, and they all have like a specific power to themselves that gives them, you know, a certain advantage. Like, but he's balanced it in such a way that it, it doesn't break the game. It gives them a specific advantage, but everyone has a specific advantage, and so. Yeah, I think I think like this is maybe the game is called like bullshit jobs. It's like how do you game your way to a fulfilling life despite bullshit jobs? Mm-hmm. Like how do you develop yourself? Like and you, I'm just thinking about that like classic Marx quote. It's like you know. Um, uh, you you like. After your work is after your four hours of work is done, then you clean up for supper. You have a, a long drawn out supper. Or no, it's like you hunt in the morning. You you philosophize at night. Do you know that quote? It's like it's like the ideal of the of the um, like the communist mm-hmm. kind of after capitalism has maximized technological productivity on, you know, on, on sucking out as much um, surplus labor uh, or as much surplus value out of laborers while keeping them dumb and uneducated so that they don't revolt, like, that it leads to this end, end state. So, like, but, like, we're still in the fucking middle of it and we're in bullsh- we have bullshit jobs. Right. We're still like the pin, the pin stampers, like you know, like pin and needle yeah. stampers. Or I mean, that's another thing that we could do. I mean, the the four archetypes of David Graeber's bullshit jobs could be. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. <clears throat> this is because um, a question I had for you yesterday. It's like, what what's the context from which the players are playing, like? Is it in a bullshit job, or is it in like a, is it in like a more abstract corporation? Or are we saying like you're a burger flipper at McDonald's, or you're, you know, an iron bolt stamper in the forge, or whatever? I I don't know what the bullshit jobs are. So flunkies, goons, duct tapers, box tickers, taskmasters. Like those five, those are like those sound like great player archetypes. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, flunkies who serve to make their supervisors feel important. Receptionists, administrative assistants, door attendants, goons who oppose other goons hired by companies, lobbyists, corporate lawyers, telemarketer, public relations specialists, duct tapers who temporarily fix problems that could be permanently fixed. Programmers repairing shoddy code, airline desk staff who calm passengers whose bags do not arrive. Box tickers who create the appearance that something useful is being done when it is not. Survey administrators, in-house magazine journalists, corporate compliance officers. In-house magazine journalists. (laughs) Taskmasters who manage or create extra work for those who do not need it. Ergo, middle management leadership professionals. So, like, 
Maybe how? maybe it's like develop out of your character archetype, your bullshit job character archetype. Mm-hmm. Develop out of your behavioral profile. And you go from like, you go from it all being about you to it all being about the other. Like, like the stages of the game, there are four stages of the game. There's the like instrumental stage of the game. There's the institutional stage of the game. There's the, or the socialized state of the game. There's the individualized self-authoring. And there's the self-transforming. Mm-hmm. And you start from one of these five Taskmaster, but funky goon, goon and dust and goon and duct taper. Duct taper. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about these different phases is like either like it can be distinct, like it can be explicit, or it can be implicit, meaning that based on actions that you take, open up new options for you, or choices that you can make that give better results. So I might, not, I might not really understand like what this action versus this action does. Behind the scenes, you know that this is a, this is a, um, what is it? Uh, Instrumentalist. This is an instrumentalist action, and this is a socialized action. And the socialized action has a more positive impact on the economy of of that particular player to incentivize them to take this action over this action. Yeah, but it might not be readily apparent to them, and it's not certainly not labeled. In, in like, what if these, or what if these are like stages of life, like you know. Your stage of life. It's like it's like the turning. It's like a you know there are four phases. The stage of life. You have you know early adulthood. You have adulthood. You have midlife crisis. You have um, nearing end of life, and you have end of life. You have or you know or you you have retirement. You have midlife crisis. You have family, and you have young professional. Yeah, I, in some ways this is like antithetical to kind of the concept of development, but the game as Why? conceived here, well, the game is conceived here. It's like it's a race. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is just what's happening. Like, you know, you, it's like so. You know, in like video games, at different stages. No, no, they're just so it's like you're like you're all every, either you're yeah. all stuck here and you're all stuck there. Yeah. So it's not it's not a because I mean, it's not a race. It's just it's what's going to happen to you because of age. Like you're, everyone's having a midlife crisis at the same time. Everyone's in their young adolescent professional and they're institutionalized, and then they all like right. Yeah, and so it has the game. It's the phases. They're of the an game. instrumental flunky. Then they're a socialized flunky. Yeah. Then they're self-authorized. What whatever. And then maybe there's a trans like there's a a transition point, but either. I mean, 
you know, maybe these are the bullshit jobs and these are the not quite bullshit jobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, taskmasters become flunkies become, right, and and box stickers become, and then like, you know, it's like that's the difference between a slash and a parentheses. Right. I don't know what. Uh... Pitch and help. No. Well, I was just thinking of like oh. an archetype kind of opposite. So the the archetype. Oh, you know what we can use is the opposite archetypes. Um, uh, I can't believe we're making this comparison. Um, uh, Just go there. It's a game. I am. I know. You know, it's really funny. It's really cool. It's going to be fucking weird, though, for people who don't know um, until they do. <clears throat> uh This is so ridiculous. Okay, um, so the duct taper, I gotta get out of my laptop because I need to look at both of these at the same time. Are those erasable? Yeah. Oh. From um, I'm I'm deciding whether to use this guy named Bill Torbert's model of action logics, or to use um, the close opposite, which is or the close closest equivalent, which is um, Suzanne Kruger's. Hers are more ridiculous. So his, so his are opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist, alchemist, Uh, and Suzanne Kugruder's are Impulsive, opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist, magician, ironist. Can you know this again? Impulsive? Impulsive, opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist, magician, ironist. 
business. Strategist. Ironous. Got it. And then the other one was. Eight, that's how many there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, there's nine. Okay, I'm going to read them out. Impulsive, opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist. Individualist. What was the other model? Uh, opportunist, diplomat, expert, achiever, individualist, strategist, uh, alchemist. So let's it's just... Pretty the same. It's, it's pretty much the same. Alchemist. And uh, diplomat. Oh, there's diplomat there. Okay, so let's... Let's let's just do a gross like matching. So duct tapers, who temporarily fix problems that could be permanently fixed. Programmers repairing shoddy code. Airline desk staff who calm passengers whose bags do not arrive. Duct tapers become strategists, diplomats. No, I think that's the flunky. Nice. Well, the box tip tickers achiever. Let's drop a few of these. Let's drop. Well, let's, let's 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 like add them all, and then we can take them back. Okay. So we've got uh, achiever and diplomat. So I think goons should be ironists. Taskmaster should be. Um, Goons could be impulse. Al alchemists. Duct tapers could be magicians. Box tickers could become strategists. I'm pretty good with that. If we lose Achiever there. Well, let's combine and see if there's something interesting here. Okay. So what's left? Um, well, let's start. Can you just go over Taskmaster, the, the definition? Who manage or create extra work who do not need it. Middle management leadership professionals. Maybe opportunists. Okay. What about um, Flunky? Who served to make the superiors feel important? Impulsive? Oh, okay. Well, I have diplomat, but why wasn't Impulsive. Impulsive? Yeah. And goon? Who oppose, who oppose other goons hired by other companies? Expert? Yeah. Again, we don't have we don't have to use these, but I just mapped them all on. Mm -hmm. So the bullshit jobs are these, and they turn into versions of these.
alchemist, diplomat, expert, strategist, magician, and the, the, the magician and alchemist sound a little. Well, one, I mean, yeah, they sound very similar. I don't know what an ironist is. No, you've got to keep the ironist. got to keep the ironist. That's like that's like going from that's like the um, it would be ironic if the knight became a jester like the goon the hired mercenary knight became a jester mm-hmm. that would like never happen. What uh, for, for fool maybe? <laughs> That's also that could be seen as a bullshit. Yeah, I'm good with this as a starting point. Well, I I like this idea of like your goal. You like, well, maybe not your goal, but like you'll be stuck here, and then there'll be a point in time where you flip over, and then you're. Yeah, you're enlightened. You're the enlightened version. My question is, is the game dictating that progression or are your actions accelerating that progression? This is where it was like, the race, the race, yeah, it doesn't make sense as a race because you you can't you're subject to your development. You can't like yeah. I think I don't think it's a race. So then it's just making the best of your. I mean, this makes more sense. It's like making the best of your current developmental circumstances. Like you can try to game it, but then everything's going to change. Like once you've once you've like there because there's got to be enough turns where you feel like you've won, and then. When it feels and like then the state changes <laughs> and you're like everything oh, that I knew before yes, and like, yes. yes. doesn't matter anymore. Right, that's right. I used to I took this action, spent this resource, and I got this. Now I can't do that anymore. Right, right. Yeah. Either because of change in, in, in your own development or a change in your from like a bullshit to non bullshit job. Yeah, I think I think there's a way to synthesize both. So inside, so we could we could just split life half, at a halfway point and just say like, you know, you're gonna have there. There's a so you're you're like you're non-enlightened, you're enlightened, you're non-enlightened, you're enlightened, and this is like, you know, you're a freshman, right. you're a sophomore. You're a junior, you're a junior, you're a senior. You know? Right. I'm, I'm subject to being the taskmaster. And now I'm exploiting being the taskmaster. Yes. Then I've switched. Now I'm an alchemist I don't, and I'm, I'm, I can't control it. Now I can right. control it. Yeah, because, you know, like, you think about, you think about, like, the, the development spectrum. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. 
I'm a tyrant taskmaster oh, versus... I did, I did it, yeah. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. No, I did it wrong. Yeah, that's just you do it. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, what changes is there's like there's an exploitative like you can exploit the the economics and the processes inside of the game in the you and the self-authored stage. Yes. There, there's a way of like you feel like you're taking advantage of or you have. <laughs> yeah, advantage. right, right. Versus then the dynamics of the game shift that forces you to make where. The you're things that you've done. Competition and, and cooperation. Where nice. Yeah. You're incentivized to compete. To compete versus cooperate. cooperate versus compete, compete versus cooperate. cooperate. Nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how this manifests, like in the mechanics of the game. I, I don't know how you oscillate between that or how, how you demonstrate that, but like, that's kind of what I'm getting. So like, there's a just as you said, it's like. Uh, this is antagonistic. This is not. This is antagonistic. This is that's competition. Well, so you do it. You do it by like the same moves that you did to maximize to overcome this f- fight against you here, because the state of the game has changed. State. We should find another word for that. Yeah. But the state it's not your life has but changed. Your, but your moves and choices here don't get you here. No. Or if if you know that being more like there's like a preview, there's like a chance, there's like two turns out of eight in each phase where if you did choose to be cooperative, you could gain a slight advantage over others, potentially, maybe. I think that's a good idea. Where you could essentially like you could you could like just get ahead like I'm I'm trying to figure out how to have the players influence that just a little bit, rather than just being subject to what's being dictated by the game. Because then it, it doesn't feel like your choices matter as much. Because mm-hmm. you're like, well, I can only I can only do this. Okay. I think it would be fun to have like a eulogy, like that's the culmination of the game. <laughs> it's like you everyone like scores up their their points. And and you like read each other your eulogies. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> it's kind of dark. That's how um, the pandemic legacy game works. Is depending on how well you've done over the twelve months of the game in which you're playing, you score points. And then there's like five different little mini narratives on how fucked up or how saved the world is. Yeah, right. Points you get. I mean, it was a little anticlimactic because it took us a year to play the game. 
and then you get like a little paragraph. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, I get how and why they did it that way. That's different from the classic. Pandemic Legacy, you, you play, there's a different scenario. You play over the course of a year in the game. And you, and you, so you play January, and it's a scenario that you, you set up the board in this way, and the cards are set up in this particular way, with di- with set objectives. If you win, then you move on to February mm-hmm. with a new set of objectives. You mm-hmm. open up new components and you get new things. If you lose in January, you can replay it to try and win it again, and they kind of balance it by like if you lose, you get an extra boon, and if you win, you don't get it. It kind of self balances it. It's like you get extra help if you keep losing up to a point, and then you lose like four times in a row, and then like you lose the game. Um, But the story that the story that's told through the game is like the best in any board game ever. Period that I've played. There's other board games that, that, that do that as well, but I don't want to ruin the game in case you ever pick it up. But like, I want to play it. Yeah, don't ruin it. The, 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 the twist about a third of the way through the game is just like amazing, and then you're just kind of like racing mm-hmm. to the end. Cool. But it's so cool. You open up the box. You, there's eight like little boxes, like black boxes. You don't know what And once you've, paid, once you've played it, then you know it. Yeah, um, yeah. Me, I I know the whole story. So if I played it again, I would kind of know what to expect. So it's a one-time play, pretty much game. Cool. I mean, I threw the game away after we played it. Right. Just because it's yeah, you can't really replay it. Right. Right. I mean, you know, you take a picture of the board at the end. And yeah. But having five different player boards sounds really cool. So we have. Right. We have the little player boards here. The other thing that I wanted to be clear on was the um, we're talking about the state of the organization or the company. So like all of these individuals are working inside of the same company. Okay. Yeah, sure. But it's an assumption, I think, we're yeah. looking for for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, all of these individuals, well, you know, they'll be they'll be working at odds, so to speak, like in the first phase. Which might make it hard to coordinate like the state of the board. It's like every decision they make just flips something else in the on the board state, which makes it difficult for other players to like make their decisions, and but then their decision changes, so it's just kind of a chaotic mm-hmm. number of rounds where like what I'm doing doesn't really. I'm just doing. I'm just optimizing for my own mm-hmm. benefit. I don't care what happens to the organization. Like it's it's flipping from external to contingent. It's or it, it's flipping from contingent to institutional mm-hmm. and. It's flipping from upward to downward, divided. And bored, bored out. Bored and, bored out and burned out. Um, 
was contingent and institutional. And then there was upward team, downward. And I think um, it's almost like each player has Because I don't think it makes sense to have it. Mm-hmm. Everyone be bored or everyone right. be burned. Yeah. So like I'm my box ticker and I'm burned out because I have too many boxes to tick. Uh, our team dynamic clearly begins downward, and we're in a contingent state because. Yeah. Because. And I guess the question I'm asking myself is like, what what are the what's dis, what? And I have my resources, so I have my I have my whatever. I have my Isomorphisms, and we have the. So they're like four sided or five sided. Hmm. Instead of a, a, a two sided card, it's like a four sided or a five sided cube. Is it? I, that's a question. I don't know. We also we also had the isomorphisms as as a resource. Yeah, you could use I think I think isomorphisms and your change model, there's four different resources. Yeah. So then Is it that I, I I have like the capacity for change and then I choose where to spend it, or I have five? Was it four or five? What? Four or five models, models of change. Four models of change. Do I have four different types of change resource? And is it do I? Is no. there one isomorphism resource and I spend it in one of three ways? 
or are there three separate isomorphism resources like I'm accruing coercion, isomorphisms I'm accruing oh. normative. For simplicity's sake, we can just say there's an isomorphism resource that's spent in a process that is one of the three, and the chain of resources spent in a one of four ways. Uh, if that makes sense to you and how you're conceiving of, it's unclear to me like where they are and how you spend them. So do you spend a certain amount of isomorph a certain amount of isomorphisms, a certain amount of um, so do you accrue and, and expend an amount or is it is it qualitative? Is it quantitative or qualitative? Is it a yeah. Yeah. It's like is is your current state of isomorphism coercive, normative, or mimetic. It's just one of three. It's not, there's not a value associated to it. Yeah, right. Or is your model chain one of these four? That's the same thing. It, how many, how many isomorphisms? That's the question, which is it? Yeah. How, how much change do you have? How many isomorphisms, or how much isomorphisms is it? And how many? Yeah, yeah. I see it as like a. Well, whatever that one is, it's like your your little cube is in like. Okay, so I'm in the coercive. This is on your like player board. Yeah. Like, my little cube is in the coercive. But I take an action and it says move it from coercive to... What? Uh, or, I think or that's lose the way. Or remove it. You know, it's like, well, I don't have... Right. Coercivism. And, then the other, and then the other one is like, which... Yeah. Which model change am I in here? Right. What's the last one? Complex adaptive responsive existential... Complex models of change, complex existential, responsive, and I don't remember. It is. So, so like this is this is the first version of my player board. Yeah. So for those of you listening to the lab, I have six cards in front of me. I have a box ticker card that on the flip side says strategist. I have a burned out card which on the flip side says board. 
I have four negative capital resources. I have one capital capital resources, and I'm currently in the existential model of change and the coercive isomorphism is, I don't know, at my disposal or I am subject to it. I'm not, not sh sure which it is yet. We've also had a, a contingent organizational environment and the team is downwardly divided. So this is like the setup phase of bullshit jobs. And then, and maybe there's like a star or a dot that shows you like which side of the card to begin on uh, at setup or you know something like that. Um, so we've created these little fiddly bits here and now we can begin and interact with them like hopefully in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. So we're in the first phase of the game. I know there's going to be four phases to this game because that's what the rule book told me. And the box ticker card tells me that my win condition is whatever, to have more than 10 capital capital resources at, in, in the last phase of the game. And if that's true, then I win the game or, or something. I don't know. And there can be multiple winners in the game. Everyone can win or everyone can lose or any combination. I don't know. But I, I, I guess what I'm asking is what, what am I trying to accomplish? I, I see the board state now. Like What am I trying to do? Well, I think you're trying to maximize your your personal your personality attributes. Um, at a given state at a given stage of the game. So I'm a box ticker. What am I trying to do? At what stage of the game are you in? Stage one. You're you're trying to. Um, selfishly control you're trying to control the world around you to meet your own needs well that's true of all the players in stage one yeah mm -hmm. how does it show specifically for the box ticker oh for the box ticker okay like I need to tick more boxes so that yeah I make more money so that I keep my job so that so who creates the appearance of something that is useful when it is not? So, like, you're trying to create the appearance that you're being useful as the box ticker. I need to do as little work and get rewarded as much as possible. Yeah, it's basically I need like, to do as little actual work as possible and yet still keep my job. Right, you're like, wow, what I'm doing is so important and I'm going to tell you all about it and at the same time, like, I'm all not... I'm doing is literally pushing paper. I'm like yeah. not even signing anything or I'm just moving something from one inbox to another it, right. outbox. Wow, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Survey administrators, in-house magazine journalists, social media managers, social media managers. <laughs> That's another right. one. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what I'm doing is so important. <laughs> right. I had to read so many tweets. I had to craft so many 
replies, I had to crop these photos just perfect. It's like, are you actually doing creating value and doing work here? Um, so what are the actions that I'm taking? What am I, am I, how or what am I changing on the board or like what's missing here for me to interact with? Like this archetype, it, I, I, it's like do as little, it's like as little work for max So like what might be an interesting game interaction? For the box ticker. Well the box ticker so it's like, like in a way they almost they they want it to be an institutional state, right? Because they just want to keep, they want to keep things the same. They want to fly under the radar and do like, right? So maybe they're, they're incentivized to do better with the in, whatever, you know, action they can take on the institutional side as opposed to the contingent side. So is there going to be like, so there's going to be like a little box of cards and like every turn you're going to like pull, like you're going to have these like stories these stack of stories and you're going to put down for each turn you know you're going to pull you're going to pull a card mm-hmm. okay like if the organization's in a institutional state pull the institutional box if it's in a contingent state pull the story of that box read it out loud and these are the things that you can do um that sounds like a very cool game to play. It's going to be more complex to create. Because you have to write all of those cards. I mean, but I think it's, it's a cooler game. Yeah. And it, it skews more into the narrativist realm than the gamist realm, although it can keep its gamist elements. Yeah. Yeah. But did, did I've shared with you the Mars simulation that the Ready did. Yeah. And all they did was create a a keynote presentation. Right. Everyone had boards. Uh, There were like five different habitats. There were like five modules to the Mars colony. And the goal of the game was to have evenly distributed across all modules as many resources because that's how you scored the points. It was like for every trick of, you know, five, one of each, you like got 100 points or whatever. And then each slide in the keynote was like a new, but it was like super produced. It was almost, it looked like a video game. They had like sound and animations and everything. But each turn, they put up a new scenario and it said, oops, the, all the plants died because the airlock was opened. Like 
remove all the resources from that, from the from the greenhouse or whatever. So the whole, all teams, and you're playing the team, all teams, you know, remove all of that. And then um, everyone chose their action in secret and then revealed at the end. The other thing was eventually you could talk about the actions you were taking. This was the whole thing about demonstrating non-responsive and responsive ways of working. So there were like three or four constraints that were removed at different milestones. In the same way, they were kind of advancing in these four phases. You know, better or more optimized actions will be available to players as you move into different phases. In the same way that it's like you can you can talk about and reveal your actions before you take them. There was a couple others. Oh, one was you, you had to commit to the action even before you learned like what happened. And then the other ones you could decide after the event happened. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing you describe is there's like a deck of semi-random scenarios or narratives within each you were talking about a contingent and an institutional, like in ca- I, co- I would call that like an encounter deck. There's institutional organization encounters and there's contingent organization encounters. Yeah, and there's like downwardly divided encounters on your team and there's upwardly divided encounters on your team. And there's bored encounters and there's, there's overwhelmed encounters. Hmm. And are you resolving each of those every round? Well, every round you're going to pick three. And they kind of flow together to create a... Like a a situational awareness. Hmm. So in a way there has to be like, not infinitely, but like... uh, I'm imagining like you would read the, the contingent institutional card, then you would that would flow into the downwardly divided card that would flow into the yes. burned yeah, or burn. card? Yeah, or, 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 or burned. Or burned. Or board? Yeah. And is each player doing that, or is this like, yeah. like a whole round, everyone's dealing with it? Or it's like, on my turn, I draw one of each. I just, I don't know how it's going to, I think it has to be for each player. It's a lot of work to write all those. I guess it's not that many. It's not that much. Depending on how many rounds you play, yeah, in each phase, right? Because there needs to be four phases of the deck, because the yeah. the, right. the encounters will. Yes, that's right. Will they? Yeah, you, the actions you can take will change based on the level of development. In the yeah. same way that they change based on. The yeah. dynamics. Right. So they're, you know. And this is this is where like this is towing a line between like a role playing an avatar based game and like a, a and a game game. Mm-hmm. A tabletop game. What this brings that role playing games can often lack is like the strict and stringent structure and clear kind of like algorithmic consequences. Mm-hmm. In a role-playing game, I can say, like, 
I want to do this random ass thing, like swing from the chandelier and kick this person into a table. Like, I as the game master need to be ready and prepared to adjudicate that. And it could, it could be that, or it could be I want to pet this cat and drink a beer. Like it could be every and everything yeah. in between, and you have to like be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, The advantage of that is like we can go and explore many different avenues. We're not like stuck in the in the predetermined narrative of the hmm. of the game. But like the way like this is different than like the Mars simulation because the like keynote presentation of the Mars simulation like never changed as far as I know. It was always the same. Mm-hmm. But it's only that's a one time play simulation. Yeah. You play it once, and like the series, the sequence of events, like in like stays the same. Turn one, this happens to a colony. Turn two, this happens. So like if you played it twice, it would be you you could potentially know like what's happening. And the players' choices aren't influencing in the game. They're not. They're just optimi- They're optimizing their resource. You know, they're trying to coordinate decisions as best as possible to to optimize resources on their board, responding to, I mean, this is like the whole, it, it's funny how it, it, it is, is its own like artifact of the critique of responsive, right? Of like just only. It's acting like there's no, it's so, no such thing as an institutional state. Or and other not only that, but just being directed by the world. Instead of, well, yeah, maybe that's institutional. Like, you only ever exist in a contingent state. You're never in an institutional state. Or you're always reacting against the institutional state yeah. from a contingent organization design. Yeah. Because your theory of change is yeah. fixed to one. I mean, based on the game as we've begun to construct it, like, What's most interesting for you to pursue, like creating these contingent or these institutional states, these team, these team cards and these like self cards? Like if you had to write, let's say a hundred of each, that's so like three hundred, three hundred of these little cards. I mean, we'll just create an algorithm to do that. Because there's repeat there's repeating sequences. Mm-hmm. Or it could, so yeah, it, or it could be five that repeat yeah that repeat in different ways, and and there's like a higher likelihood of this combination versus that combination based on the the phase. Yeah, I mean those. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, the the amount. I'm not really concerned about the amount of work once you get going in writing. They're basically matrices, and you're just asking yourself the same questions responding from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. So once you've internalized that, it just it kind of writes itself. Um, so that's not... I think it's more about, like, what's going to be most fun to play. Like, how... like. So I, I ordered a game yeah. that I want to play with you. should be here later this week. That... The, your concept of this game closely mirrors. Hmm. It's called Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've wanted to play Gloomhaven. This is a very expensive game. Well, this is like... 
this is it, not the sequel, but it's 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 a far condensed version. Oh, uh huh. So like it doesn't have like all the crazy miniatures and the giant ass board or whatever. Oh, right. It's like just the book with the maps. Oh, okay. And like your player cards. So it's like a cool. very slimmed down version. All so right. It was like thirty bucks on it. Oh wow. Versus what, like five hundred. It was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But that's interesting because there's player boards that are different, differentiated from others. There's cards in your hand in which you're making decisions on what you want to do. You know, choosing hmm. there's there's um, opportunity costs like choosing this a lot. Each card has two actions, and one is written right side up and one's written upside down. So so there's two potential actions on a card, but you can only play one side. So whichever one I choose is face up means that I can't do the other one. So there's this interesting choice where it's like, well, if I attack, I can't heal. Or if I move and attack, I can't, whatever, charge up my weapon or whatever it is. So, so that's an interesting choice mechanic. But there's also this this scenario set up, and there's like a deck of encounters. It's like this happens. How do you respond? And it influences the game. It's like, well, lose four hit points before you start your next encounter, or you get this cool bonus item that you can use in your next encounter. It's a game I really wanted to play but haven't. And now that they came out with this other version, I I got it. Um, So I'm reading a sequence of the three cards, the, the institutional, the team, and the self card on my turn. Are the choices in the are my choices in those cards what I can do? Or are the is what I can do like on my board in reaction to so like are those encounter cards changing the board state? Well, I mean, they could be doing any of of these things. You could draw a contingent card that says, well, now we're in an institutional mode. And then you have to flip that. Or you could draw a card and it's like, well, now your team is upwardly divided because you all, whatever. I think, let's think about it from the other way around. So if you're in a team and you're, you're, you're burnout, you want to change being burnout, which means that you want to distribute your work into the team. If the, if the team is in a downwardly divided state and you distribute the work, it's only going to further downwardly divide the team. So you have to say, okay, well, can I endure, can I endure being burnt out for a little longer so that I play a, I play a, um, I play a, normative isomorphism to further enhance the team um, to its normative state, which which gets it closer to being upwardly divided so that I can stop being so burnt out. How, How did you know that you needed to move from burnt out to bored out because my burnout from the last hand got I got I inherited more burnout from my last hand I couldn't that I couldn't anticipate so like 
I'm like doubly burned out. There's like degrees of burnout and mm-hmm. bore out. Mm-hmm. Could okay. be. This is like a little counter. Totally burned out. So like, yeah, it goes from like negative. It goes from like burned out at nine over here all the way to zero or whatever. Then, then it yeah, and if you like go, yeah, like it, like the card says, like if you are in, you know, lose, lose four burn burnout or whatever, or like, and if you are, you know, have oh, if you have under zero, flip to being flip to being bored. Right, or if you're on the burn out, like the the the, the downward team card says if you're burned out then lose negative capital it's like i don't want to i don't want to lose this so i lost i so i lost i lost that and i'm like well crap i need to reduce my burnout because it's a downward divided team so so then i take an action that puts me to board in the downward divided team which is fine because i can just be complacent in the downward dynamic but then the next player flips the team to be upward, and then now I'm to drag on the team, and I got to expend capital to get help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and I guess yeah. So what is it in those encounter cards? I mean, like what? Clearly, what's absent here is like, what are the actions or choices that I can? Make and like, are there actions and choices? Like, where do those reside? Are they are they on the board, like here, or are they like in a worker placement? It's like you can place your worker in one of these five areas and take these actions. So that's like one way you'd make a decision. Or it's like the actions are on my board, and it's like you're the box ticker, and you can do these things that maybe others can't or it just like tells you here's the five things that you can do on your turn and everyone can do one of those five things yeah I think, I think or, this and is or is it like in the cards where it's like the card tells the story and it constrains your choice or gives you more options what are the three well these aren't the only three but it's like where did the choices or actions I can take as a player reside are they in front of me and or unique to well, me. Well, some of them are hidden. Some of them are visible. So there's like a deck of cards that I have that are my choices. Maybe, yeah. And I can play this, and you don't know what it is until I flip it over. Where did this come from? Yeah, I don't know. Like, does each each player have their own deck? Well, how does that, how does that, they, like, they have an engagement, like, I think they form their hand through what they select in the engagements. Like, oh, okay, now, I'm looking at this, I'm like, fuck, like, I know what's going to happen if I do this or that to my, to my resources. So so what? So yeah. So what if? What if there's multiple stacks of cards 
on my on my side, unique to me, the box ticker. I don't know how they're categorized or whatever, but there's cards that I've shuffled and set out. Those are what I'm going to draw into my hand to to use. What what the encounter cards can dictate is which pile I'm drawing from based on the choice. It's like upwardly divided team, do you do this or do you do that? If you do this, draw from this pile. If you do that, draw from this pile. For the institutional card, okay, this is the situation, do you do this or do you do that? Okay, I'll draw this and then I'll draw that and then are you bored or are you burned? Do you do this or that? And then I draw like a third card. And then I have three potential actions in my hand that then I look at the board state and I play that action, which is one might be because I was bored, uh, you know, accrue, accrue for negative capital or whatever. If you end your turn or end the round with more than six negative capital, you can uh, you know you can flip from a downward team to an upper team or whatever, or you can flip from board to burned, something like that. So that the player's decisions are driven by the external circumstances of the encounters which you know is is represented like here in the board state. And what I begin to understand is that in a in an upward institutional board state, I'm getting these kinds of cards or these kinds of actions. I do or don't like that or it's moving me further or closer away to my win state. Cuz I'm trying to figure out like how I how I win the game or yeah, make meaningful decisions. Yeah. I think that we're coming at this right now from a mechanic standpoint, and I'm wondering if it wouldn't help us by changing our perspective from a mm-hmm. um uh from mechanical to an aesthetic perspective. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't remember my. From a from a um, simulationist, and well, from a gamist point of view, to a. Like to a simulationist. So, so in other words, like, what? Like, let's play this as if it's ourselves, and and we're playing now an outcome. Let's try that. Okay. Let's and make it up like through a narrativist approach to try to make better progress. To take it to to then extrapolate from the narrative's approach into a simulation so that we can further then mm-hmm. bring it into a game to get the mechanic yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so... 
pause or stop the lab and then restart it. Okay.